Zoom. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Louis Gherkin. He's the president of Gherkin Capital Associates and also the author of a new book called The Little Book of Venture Capital Investing, Empowering Economic Growth and Investment Portfolios. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Lou. Good morning, Jordan. Thank you. Let's just start with your background a little bit, uh, both in the venture capital investment world and what made you want to uh, write this book about venture capital investing. Great. Thank you. Um, I started my uh, uh, VC career as, uh, as an entrepreneur back in the late 70s. Um, I founded a telecom consulting engineering company called TCG. Um, and mind you, in the late 1970s, that was a, a very much a, of a, a nuance in terms of the technologies that were available. Uh, but uh, fortunately, we, we sold that company to the uh, consulting division of one of the uh, 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 large uh, accounting firms, and I guess I got uh, emblazoned, uh, emblazoned in my DNA at that point that uh, I had a, a high level of interest in being an entrepreneur and, and uh, being involved in, uh, in what was uh, called the uh, privately held uh, investment business. I'm not sure that the, the VC term had, had been aptly coined then, but that was my first exposure to the, uh, to the business. Uh, that led to my... Um, taking on a position at Wells Fargo Bank here in San Francisco, um, where I was hired to uh, spearhead their uh, venture capital uh, business. Um, what led me to write the book uh, is, as you, you know, probably aware, there's thousands of VC-related books that have been written about how to raise capital or how to write a business plan, but, but that's not what this book is about. Um, rather, after the 2012 election and all the political rhetoric and, and watching with interest the, the Occupy Wall Street protests and movement, I, I felt that someone needed to hit the reset button and bring to the general public's attention uh, the, the enormous benefits that, that VC has brought to the, the U.S. economy. Um, by any comparative measure, VC has produced more jobs and, and generated more income than any other public policy or, or private sector initiative over the last 40 years. And, and then there's the enormous social impact that VC investment has delivered, uh, both in terms of new technologies and, and the impact that it's had on life science and, and bioscience in terms of improving our day-to-day efficiency and, and quite frankly, just our, our overall general quality of life. So um, 
that that was the, uh, the the primary genesis uh, and, and desire for the the book. Um, so, so Lou, if that's reason- true, if, if you've had such uh, if venture capital has had such a positive impact, both uh, financially and creating new products and services and technologies and so on, why is it that you've had this big um, kind of split where you had the ninety nine percent against the one percent and all this kind of venom against the rich people and so on. Why is there such a disconnect there? Well, I think, you know, in, in part, it was, uh, it became part of the political theater of the 2012 election. And when you look at, uh, uh, Governor Romney's, uh, uh, background, which of course, a, a large part of that was in the, the private equity and venture capital business. Um, uh, he became easy pickings, if you will, as, uh, you know, an individual that had done very well and uh, perhaps not sensitive to the day-to-day needs of, uh, of the average Joe. Um, but trying to dispel that and, and bring fact, uh, uh, fact back to the, to the equation in terms of what VC has actually produced, um, it has been, again, by any measure, the single most important contributor to U.S. jobs, income, uh, 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 at least over the last 40 years, it's been the primarily the primary driver. So rather than than uh, uh, picking it to pieces, you know, we should be um, you know enabling uh, the venture capital engine as a as a big uh, a starter for for jobs and income here in the U.S. The, the, the other reason I wanted to write this book was to dispel the notion that VC investing is, is only for the institutional investor and, and for the rich. Um, yes, in the past, there have been minimums up in the millions that you needed to have to invest in a, a venture capital fund, for example. But, but today, um, there are a, a wide variety of both public and private options available for the Five trillion dollars of individual reti- retirement account money um, that that can access that has access and that can access uh, VC VC investment opportunities. We're going to get into that in some detail here. You start off with a kind of historical overview of venture capitalism. Why don't you, without getting into all the details you have in the book, why don't you just kind of give us the, the highlights of how it has kind of evolved to where it is today. Well, you know, to, to try to answer that with some, some personal anecdotes, I mean, for example, when I first took on my job at Wells Fargo Bank in 1981, um, there were probably uh, 100 uh, VCs uh, in the U.S. and, you know, very much of a cottage industry and, um, in fact, very much constituted as, as family offices rather than formal funds. But you compare that with today when you have several thousand venture capital funds spread around the globe. Um, you know, at that, at that point in time, um, Wells Fargo Bank, for example, was uh, very interested to uh, have a, a presence, particularly given its location, uh, here in San Francisco and, and directly north of Silicon Valley, uh, and and only because of their great brand uh, branding and, and image, you know, was I fortunate to have individuals like uh, Paul Allen and and uh, and Microsoft 
uh, crew visit us looking for $3 million for 60% of Microsoft. Uh, but, you know, the mentality of, of the, the banks and institutions at that point in time were very much that as of credit analysts and a credit analyst view of the world and um, not perfectly positioned or adept to be making venture capital investing. So like most great uh, innovations, uh, uh, my, my first foray into VC was one that, that occurred by accident. I mean, serendipitously, because we weren't making a great deal of direct investments, we created one of the very first fund of funds uh, of any kind um, here in the U.S. Um, so sometimes things happen by planning, and sometimes, uh, you know, it is a, a stroke of luck or, again, a, a serendipitous uh, event. So this was a fund that held holdings in other venture capital funds. Is that what you mean by a fund of funds? That's right. Um, yeah. We were investing in a, a pre-identified uh, group of other venture capital funds. Yeah. Tell me the difference in, a, in outlook when you look at a company as a venture capitalist as opposed to a credit analyst. I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, what is the difference that? in looking at a company as a venture capitalist as opposed to as a credit analyst, as a bank would do? Right. Well, the credit analyst is essentially going to be more interested in, in taking a look at the historic and projected cash flows of the company and going to be interested in looking at what, what assets the company has, which uh, may be collateralized against a, a bank loan, um, compared with a, a venture capital investment, which in, in many cases is a startup um, where there is no cash flow and there are no assets, rather an entrepreneur's dream uh, uh, to create a new uh, uh, technology, product, or, or business. Um, so the, the venture capitalist is primarily investing in um, the, the intellectual capital of the entrepreneur rather than uh, cash flows and, and assets as a, as a bank would. What has probably been the most successful venture capital investment you've ever made, and why did you think that had potential at the time you did made the investment? Right. Well, um, you know, in, in the, uh, the 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 fund to fund that we created in 1981 while I was at Wells Fargo Bank, in hindsight, was a uh, uh, a very interesting milestone, uh, given that you know there have been a number of uh, fund to funds that have been created since then, and they as a group represent a large base of, of uh, capital that venture capital funds go to for, uh, for investors. Um, on a uh, direct investment basis, uh, while I was at uh, Prudential Securities Venture Capital in the, in the uh, early to mid-'80s, um, I was uh, one of the, the co-founders and general partners there. Um, I think a, a lot of people probably have had or have a family member that has uh, uh, gone through LASIK eye surgery, uh, which mm -hmm. is the refractive eye surgery, and I was the, uh, or, or while I was at Prudential Securities, uh, in that capacity, we were the seed investor to a, a Boston-based uh, privately held company called Summit Technologies, um, which was the uh, inventor of the Excimer laser, uh, which was the basis for uh, the LASIK eye surgery. And that, of course, has had a, uh, 
a, a big impact on hundreds of thousands of people uh, worldwide. How can you tell, is, it, is there a certain gut instinct uh, when you think something's going to work, when, when you think something's not going to work? Well, that's a, that's a really good question, Jordan, because uh, I- investing in version 1.0 of a new technology versus sometimes waiting until 2.0 can make all the difference in the world in terms of uh, uh, being successful with that investment. Um, you know, but you, you, uh, you, a, a large part of it is just having been through the venture capital cycle for enough years where your ear is to the rail such that you, you develop a sense for, for the right time, um, where hopefully you're on the right side of the tsunami. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, although there's a lot of different uh, criteria that go into making an investment. You know, it's, it's a people business. You know, and and backing the right entrepreneur uh, who who hopefully has been through the the, the venture capital uh, process before. Align um, you as an investor and and he or she as the entrepreneur, such such that you have the same. Um, uh, interest at hand, uh, and having been through it before in, in both cases as an investor and as an entrepreneur, uh, a lot of this will be uh, uh, readily known rather than, than requiring a lot of coaching. So uh, the, the, the CEO and senior management team are, are, at the end of the day, key to uh, executing a good venture capital investment. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lewis Gherkin. He's the president of Gherkin Capital Associates. His new book is called The Little Book of Venture Capital Investing, Empowering Economic Growth and Investment Portfolios. His website is gherkincapital.com. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Louis Gherkin, president of Gherkin Capital Associates and the author of a new book called The Little Book of Venture Capital Investing, published by Wiley. Uh, he can find out more about both him and his book at the website, gherkincapital.com. Welcome back to the show, Lou. Thank you, Jordan. Nice to be here. I want here. to talk about the, uh, the prevailing investment climate for venture capital. And let's go into some of the areas that you think uh, might be uh, worthy of investment. And one of them is uh, healthcare and medical innovation. What are some things going on in that area that you think are quite promising? Well, the, um, uh, the, the exciting thing about VC that, that uh, you know, exponentially uh, continues to be the case is uh, where you've had uh, uh, a, con- a continued uh, uh, growth in the uh, computing power, you know, of uh, the semiconductors and, and basic infrastructure for hardware, and and that that uh, exponential growth in computing power has really enabled the creation of even more capable and and efficient software. Um, that that in turn has opened up a whole spectrum of opportunities in. In biotechnology, in in more niche areas like nanotechnologies, in the financial services sector, uh, robotics, and and uh, uh, 3D printing as it relates to manufacturing, consumer goods, and and also the big advances that have occurred in drilling technologies, leading to cheaper energy. Um, these have all uh, been sectors that have been created and continue to be created by this kind of quantum growth in uh, uh, in computing power that's that has occurred and continues to occur. Um, and why, why is it, Lou, uh, that big companies in all the fields you mentioned, and whether it be drilling pipe or drug technology or whatever it may be, why why is it that big companies, which have tons of money and cash flow and scientists and patents and so on? Don't have an advantage in getting into these areas compared to smaller, even uh, entrepreneurial startup companies. Right. Well, that you know, that in and of itself is the the answer is that they're they're a big company, and you know, much of with with lots of big company infrastructure. And yes, there are a lot of advantages to that, but speed to market uh, and being able to hit a reset button, which uh, sometimes is necessary to modify the the uh, the R and D or the product development effort. That that is typically more easily done in a venture capital uh, stage company um, than it is in let's say big pharma, where you you have now evolved a relationship between 
bio, uh, biotech VC funds and the big pharmaceutical companies, which has evolved really to a partnership where there's a recognized uh, appreciation for each other and, and the, the biotech VC funds have essentially become the, the R&D uh, centers for new, new drug and, and product innovation and the big pharmas have become uh, the dollars to get them clinical trial and the dollars to, uh, uh, to, to market and sell the products through their, their legions of, uh, of marketing and salespeople. Yeah, makes sense. Another area you say is promising is energy and clean technology, particularly. Is this also meaning uh, alternative energy, solar, wind, those kind of things? Is that an area that you uh, think has a lot of opportunity for venture capital? Well, it, 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 it certainly does, and, and clearly there have been a, uh, over the last you know, six to eight years, there have been a, a number of VC funds that, that uh, are dedicated specifically to that space. Um, you know, in hindsight, you know, uh, which is always easy to, to uh, comment on, um, a lot of that was version 1.0 of, in essence, uh, uh, new industries or new companies that were being created, and and now that the, the version 1.0 funds and companies, uh, wh- now that the dust is settling, it's 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 easy to it's more easy to de- uh, detect um, uh, and identify you know which which parts of those businesses and companies will be the winners from the the losers. Um, so that's a, that's a good example of where where it probably made a lot more sense to be a version 2.0 investor rather than a a 1.0 investor. Another area you talk about is cybersecurity. Um, is that also an area that people want to be investing in with all of the uh, data breaches and all the uh, information about NSA? It's a big, big area these days. Is that something you think has potential as an investment area? Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it certainly uh, is, and it, it continues to uh, uh, become a larger and larger um, uh, 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 space, if you will, given the the enormous amount of dollars that are being spent by by government, the private sector at large, in making sure that its uh, uh, ever pervasive uh, software infrastructure is is protected, um, and and you know as we all become um, you know increasingly more uh, social media files, if you will. Um, uh, you know the need to protect uh, the user's uh, profile and information. You know is is uh, uh, is very important. So there's there's billions and billions of dollars that have been spent and will be spent on on this whole area of cybersecurity and and uh, and protection. Very good. Now in the book you talk about uh, investing in venture capital as an average investor, both in the non-listed way and the listed way. So we're going to go through both of those. And in the book, you have a lot of specific examples of places of doing it. Let's start with the listed way, where the average person might be able to uh, play in this whole thing. So let's, let's start with some of the areas you talk about, the first one being private equity exchanges. So explain what that is and maybe how people can find a private equity exchange as a way to, uh, to be a mini venture capitalist themselves. Right. Well, um, yeah, the... the uh uh, and, 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 and important to that is obviously, you know, the, the, how you, the how you go about it. You know, we, we would certainly never be advocates that, uh, 
that uh, an individual with $100,000 in their retirement account allocate that in its entirety to venture capital investments. Um, Rather, the the view that um, uh, one wants to dollar average their their entry into the, um, uh, you know, into the venture capital-related arena over perhaps a three- to five-year period uh, where they build a portfolio over time um, so that it, it represents a number of vintage years rather than a single year, which, which may have been, um, in hindsight, a, a tough year for the industry, um, and that the allocation from their uh, typical 60-40 fixed income equity uh, portfolio uh, be built over time to maybe a targeted 10 to 20% allocation that would go into what we call alternatives, which are the, the private investments as compared to listed stocks and bonds. Um, and therefore, you have a, a diversified portfolio of, of uh, alternative investments of that diversified portfolio, um, yes, there are both public and uh, private options that are that are now in, available that that w- that weren't before. Um, you you as, as you mentioned, some of those include uh, traditional venture capital funds, um, which typically have a pretty high threshold of of entry, a minimum million dollar investment. Um, there are direct investments um, where you might be acting as a quote-unquote angel to invest twenty-five, fifty thousand dollars in a a friend or a friend of firms uh, or friend of fir- uh, or a friend of a friend's uh, 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 startup. Um, there are fund of funds where perhaps it doesn't make sense for you to be. Uh, an investor in in one fund uh, because you don't have the minimums minimum investment, but rather a a portfolio of of um, of uh, venture funds that you can invest in. There are also ETFs. Um, there are extra- exchange traded funds now that are listed that have daily liquidity, um, who, whose business uh, plans are essentially equivalent to that of a, a venture capital fund. And uh, that that gives something very new to investors that typically doesn't exist in, in VC, which is liquidity. Um, Maybe just name are, one or two of the ETFs that you, you would think are doing a good job. Well, um, I'm I'm uh, hesitant on public airwaves to to mention specific names. I mean, I do have those listed in the book. Um, okay. But, well, I'll mention uh, them. If you, well, I mean, you, you mentioned ProShares Global Listed Private Equity Fund, um, iShares Listed Private Equity, are, are some of them, and you've got some others as well. So these things do exist, and it, it yeah, allows do. you to the average person to get in, basically. Yeah, they do exist, and these are basically brand names that have a history of of. Uh, of uh, introducing uh, a whole host of different ETF product um, for individual investors that have a, a, a small uh, uh, IRA uh, or, or retirement account to to uh, make an investment in the space. Uh, and again, where there's daily liquidity and where the the entry uh, the entry price is, is uh, you know is is very reachable to the individual investors. Good. Um, All right. 
We're going to take a break and come back. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lewis Gherkin. He's the president of Gherkin Capital Associates. His website, gherkincapital.com, and his new book is called The Little Book of Venture Capital Investing, Empowering Economic Growth and Investment Portfolios. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lewis Gherkin. Uh, he is the president of Gherkin Capital Associates based in the San Francisco area. Uh, his new book is called The Little Book of Venture Capital Investing, and his website is gherkincapital.com. Welcome back to the show, Lou. Thank you, Jordan. We were talking about various ways people can invest in venture capital. There's something called PIPES, which stands for Private Investments in Public Equities. Maybe explain what those are and how that works. Sure. Um, well, probably the easiest way to explain it is um, to bring up uh, 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 the, the, the biggest advocate and pipe investor in the country, at least the way I look at it, and that's, and that's Warren Buffett. Um, everything that Warren Buffett has done as part of Berkshire Hathaway has been a privately structured um, Investment in a in a public company, whether it's Solomon Brothers or Goldman Sachs, uh, uh, whatever the case has been, uh, Mr. Buffett has essentially negotiated a private placement uh, in this public entity, which 
it enables him to have the the optionality to structure terms and conditions um, which are different from investing in a uh, a common stock. Um, that structured investment um, can be very advantageous to the investor. Um, obviously, Warren Buffett has done very well by way of Berkshire Hathaway, his, his holding company. Um, so there are pipe investments. There are pipe funds. There are uh, both public and private where investors uh, can invest uh, 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 via pipes. Um, some of the names you mentioned, uh, in addition to Berkshire Hathaway, are uh, Blackstone Group, uh, Carlisle, Fortress, KKR, Colbert, Kravis, Roberts, Apollo, uh, BlackRock. So these are all companies that are now publicly traded that themselves do deals, and that's the kind of way to play it. You also mentioned some pure play funds. Uh, one of them is called Alps, Red Rock, LPEFX, and Catalyst Listed. LPEAX as another way of doing pipes. So you think that's a good way uh, to invest in venture capital through those uh, vehicles? Well, it's, it, it certainly has, uh, when you look at the scatter, the scatter diagram of realized results in terms of, you know, cash-on-cash uh, cash returns, um, making investments via pipes with, with, uh, with quality players um, can be very constructive for everybody, both the recipient, you know, and the investor. Um, now, you also talk about BDCs, which are business development corporations. Maybe just briefly describe what a BDC is and uh, how that would be a way to invest in venture capital. Well, uh, uh, a, a BDC is really a legal structure which has, you know, enabled. Um, some of the traditional venture companies like uh, 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 a Carlisle or an Apollo or a, a KKR uh, or a Blackstone, um, some of these are, 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 are more buyout funds, private equity funds, but, but some of them do do venture capital. Um, it, it has allowed them to essentially list those companies to take them public. And in taking them public, you know, they're able to provide uh, investors with a daily, uh, 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 daily access and daily liquidity. Um, so it's a it's a legal structure um, 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 which has availed what has traditionally been uh, private funds uh, to access the public markets and investors. And they also have high yields because they're not only taking equity positions, but they're also lending. Small and medium-sized companies as well, so they have high yields and growth potential, right? That's right. I mean, that that when you, when you that brings up the notion of you know the, the definition of private equity versus venture capital. I think in in general terms, private equity is used as a term to explain the or to uh, for the uh, the overall ecosystem of of VC and private equity and and buyout investing uh but specifically VC investing is more targeted towards the very early stage companies um and the private equity is is typically used uh, more often to explain the, the the leverage buyout funds, the management buyout funds that would be investing in more established companies that need capital to grow or need capital to spin themselves uh, uh, off as an independent player uh, from a much larger firm. 
Some of the BDCs that you mentioned are American Capital Strategies, which is uh, ACAS, uh, Allied Capital, ALD, uh, Ares Capital, uh, ARCC, Gladstone, GAN, and Kohlberg Capital, uh, KCAP. So those are some of the biggest ones around that you think if people want to play BDCs, they might start with that list. Is that right? Yeah, that's a good place to start, if, if nothing else, to familiarize yourself with some of the major, larger names that are out there. Now, you were mentioning that there is a uh, relatively new law, I think it was passed in 2012, called the Jobs Act, which is designed to uh, get money to smaller and entrepreneurial companies. Maybe describe briefly what was in that Jobs Act and how it's going to be affecting the whole venture capital investing world. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Jordan, in 2012, uh, the, the Obama administration and the, the uh, Congress uh, actually worked together to approve um, what I believe was a very constructive uh, addition to um, uh, uh, the financial sector, which, is, which has been coined as, as crowdfunding. Um, but this, this, this Jobs Act, you know, when, when, you, when you look at the bigger picture, uh, uh, greater than 90% of all the jobs created in this country come from small to mid-sized uh, enterprises. And, and, and uh, typically these small to mid-sized enterprises don't have, as, don't have equal access and ability to tap into Bank lending, um, you know, the bank lending is, is more typically focused towards the large borrowers and middle-sized borrowers. So the, the JOBS Act was an attempt to make uh, capital uh, available uh, to small to mid-sized companies, including VC, um, and to make those investment opportunities available to um, uh Individuals that had retirement accounts and whatnot. Again, I, I, I sidebar there that there's an estimated five trillion dollars plus in the U.S. of individual retirement account money um, that could be tapped into as a source of, of lending um, to uh, small to mid-sized businesses. Uh, that crowdfunding has typically. Uh, taken two shapes. Um, it, it will be later this year that the SEC, which was empowered by the Jobs Act to implement the Jobs Act, they'll lay out the um, the field guide for how that can be done in the U.S. as it relates to equity investments. Um, in fact, it, it's already laid out and, and operating on the lending side where you can you can borrow money um, from one of these crowdfunding sites, and there are some 500 of them now in the uh, around the world that probably uh, last year did some three billion dollars of uh, of equity and debt exchanges. So it's it's uh, it's becoming a very uh, interesting uh, source of capital uh, and source of investment for the social media files. Um, um, who you know want to be able to access this via uh, uh, a crowdfunding site, and the investments can be as as little as you know five ten thousand um, dollars. Again, rather than the minimums, which can be much higher than that in a traditional fund. What has been the track record so far of people from the investment point of view, uh, people investing in startups through 
uh, crowdfunding, like a Kickstarter or something like that, yeah. uh, being being successful and getting a very good return on their their money as an investment. They might like the cause, but from mm-hmm. a purely investment point of view, what has been the the track record since crowdfunding has been around a relatively short period of time? Right. Well, on on the lending side, the crowdfunders that 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 are lending rather than doing equity deals, it's actually been very good. Um, those are typically asset-based loans, uh, and the uh, uh, the delinquency rates have, by and large, been pretty low. And investors have actually done pretty well uh, with uh, uh, those investments. Um, when you look at the equity side, um, again, that that's not it's it's not allowed yet. Uh, aside from accredited investors participating in the U.S. until the SEC fully implements it. Um, even even having said that, uh, there has not yet been a uh, 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 a visible. Uh, track record of, of results uh, on the crowdfunding site for equity deals. Um, that will change over time as many of the traditional VC funds align themselves with some of these crowdfunding sites such that those sites then and subscribers are accessing vetted transactions rather than, you know, anybody that wants to get onto a crowdfunding site to uh, promote their deal. Uh, and then you have the whole reward uh, crowdfunding sites where people are not investing for for equity returns or or uh, interest rate returns on a loan, but rather a, a a piece of the transaction or promotion, whatever it may be. So, so people who are trying to raise money, is there an advantage for them to go through the crowdfunding way as opposed to going to venture capital? It's, it's faster. And easier, or or is it uh, typically if they if they're going to be equally um, uh, reputable, is it easier for them to go to a VC or to go to crowdfunding these days since they have well, that choice? You, well, usually uh, the, what the crowdfunding is normally to date, you know, attracting uh, uh, firms that need to borrow or need capital for investment. You know, twenty five thousand, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars, maybe up to a quarter million dollars. That's that's usually a, a, uh, that's usually an investment that's considered on the smaller end, almost to the point of, of non-interest for a traditional VC fund. So you know, it opens up a whole arena of uh, of capital access. Um, for the uh, lower end of small to mid-sized businesses. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lewis Gherkin. He's the president of Gherkin Capital Associates. He's come out with a new book called The Little Book of Venture Capital Investing, Empowering Economic Growth and Investment Portfolios. His website, gherkincapital.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Lou Gherkin, is president of Gherkin Capital Associates. His new book is called The Little Book of Venture Capital Investing. Welcome back to the show, Lou. Hi, Jordan. Thank you. Just want to talk to a little bit about Gherkin Capital. Uh, what are some of the investment areas you're looking into these days? And maybe kind of describe the, the current mood of the venture capital investing uh, group, group that you're hanging out with all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess one of the advantages of being a, a, a small uh, size boutique firm that's, that's 100% independently owned is that that we can be very nimble and flexible and very much like chameleons uh um uh, we we can reshape our business such that it 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 adapts to the prevailing investment climate and and certainly the investment climates uh at least over the last 6 8 years have have seemed to ch- seem to change more rapidly um, than they have in the past. So the need to be nimble is, is we think, very important. Uh, as such, what we're doing in our current set of funds um, is focused, uh, one, uh, on very early stage investing, um, where we're typically the lead investor to a venture capital transaction, um, and and also investing in in slightly more mature companies where where they have what we call deal fatigue. Um, you know, it, it it may be a change of ownership, a change of management, um, uh, where they're they're stuck in terms of uh, uh, figuring out the the the, the next the, the 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 direction for the company going forward, and you know our our capital come, coming in helps to, to act as a catalyst to, to hit the reset button. So that's what we're doing on the, the, the venture capital side. And, and, and also, given this climate, we've also shortened our time horizon where we're, we're not 
uh, investing for the three, five, seven-year uh, time horizon, but rather trying to find situations where we're able to uh, achieve certain milestones with our investments and and trade sale them um, to acquirers in in a two-year period. Um, the the other area of ex- the other area of involvement presently is the emerging markets. Um, uh, we've been involved in the emerging markets uh, uh, since the late 70s uh, as, as individuals in the firm. Um, we're presently uh, marketing a, uh, uh, an emerging markets fund um, where we're focused not only on the traditional, what they call BRICS, uh, uh, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, the more developed, if you will, emerging markets, but we're also very involved in the frontier markets like uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, and, and Mongolia. So our interest over the next three to five years is really to um, focus on these private investment areas and less excited about the public markets over the next uh, 12 to 18 months. How about on the other side, foreign money coming into the U.S. as far as uh, for venture capital? Is there a lot of money coming in from China and Japan and Saudi Arabia and other places uh, to invest in the U.S. venture capital industry? Well, it, it certainly continues to be the largest piece of the pie, uh, Jordan. It, it probably accounts for 50, 60% of the global investment pie is, is the U.S. Um, that, that said, as the, as the emerging markets, meaning the Chinas and, and, and Indias and so forth and Brazils have, have uh, matured, um, there, there are also uh, uh, an ample number of domestic opportunities that they have, um, which are eating into the the pie that, that typically just consisted of the U.S. So as these companies, as these countries evolve, uh, their need for infrastructure, their need for investment has, has increased, uh, and, and, and it's much easier for, for them to be investing in their own domestic economies, given that they know them better than we do, and, and also that they have now the, the, uh, uh, if you will, the the underlying infrastructure and 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 uh, 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 capital markets to to uh, take on that investment. For somebody who wants to invest in venture capital, who wants to do it the right way, as a long term view, what kind of rates of return are reasonable to expect? So you're taking more risk, you don't have liquidity, and mm-hmm. in return for giving up that, what legitimate rates of return should people expect if they're getting into venture capital? Right. Well, the, the, the short answer is, I guess, a historical analysis. If, if you look back to the year um, um, 1980, 1981, um, which is when the, in, the, in the U.S., when the pension funds, public pension funds, were, were first allowed to invest in venture capital, and, and they're the largest source of investment in venture capital today, if you look at all the funds that have been put together from 1980 through through present, um, the uh, by and large the the average venture capital returns have been around 600 basis points, six to 800 basis points, better than the public markets, 
and those public markets again taking away all the the uh, uh, the, the the extreme the the outliers in terms of um, performance, good and bad, um, have been somewhere in the area of you know eight percent compound annual. So you'd expect you know another uh, uh, six to eight points over what you'd get in the public markets. Um, now, there have been a lot of outliers. There have been periods of time where venture capital firms haven't returned very well. And then there have been other periods of time where they've performed extremely well. So to be successful at venture capital investing, you know, really requires a, a long-term uh, horizon um, where you, you know, continue to dollar average your way into the space rather than just getting rather than just getting lucky and being an investor during the 1997 to 1999 period where you could have gotten in and out in six months. So six to eight points over the S&P 500 or something like that, you think is realistic going forward because there's still a lot of opportunities, you're saying, in all these different areas. That the, It's just the there's beginning no, of what's possible. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt there's uh, a lot of opportunities. If, if you look at, if you look at, at the technology component to the S&P 500 back in the early 80s, uh, it was in the single digits. Um, today, the number of companies that have a technology component to them in the S&P 500 uh, is, is almost 70%. Um, so it, it's, a, it's had a, a material impact, obviously, on our economy and and. And we've talked about the social impact, so there's there's still lots of opportunity um, uh, to access the space and and invest in the space. How about tax policy? Is there any? I mean, recently we had the capital gains rate go up uh, for high income earners. Uh, is the tax environment uh, friendly or hostile to venture capital these days in the United States? Well, that, going back to the one of the reasons to write the the little book, um, uh, I, I would I would suggest that public policy across the board um, has made it more difficult for our small to mid-sized uh, company-owned uh, businesses and entrepreneurs to succeed. Um, uh, you know the, the 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 level of regulation, um, the levels of, of Taxation, um, you know, it, it's hard enough to build a business and succeed without piling on an extra level of regulation and, and policy and, and taxation. I mean, at a, at a certain point, um, only with the exception of the serial entrepreneurs who have it embedded in their DNA, it's just not worth it to uh, an individual that wants to start a new business. Yeah, indeed. But you think that the attitudes are changing to some extent as far as the kind of Occupy Wall Street and demonizing venture capitalists? Do you think that is changing? Well, I, I, I'm, that, that was the hope with, with the, you know, writing this, this book was to try to help change that with factual content and hopefully some interesting anecdote. Um, but I still think there's a very healthy, there's a very unhealthy level of, of um, misinformation and skepticism about the VC space that uh, uh, is not warranted, but it, it, it's an easy target, um, um, you know, to, to put the, the, you know, the industry on the defensive, you know, where in fact um, what, it, what it's produced in, in everybody's life in terms of 
financial rewards and, and incentives and and the the the, uh, the the impact it's had on our our day to day lives has been uh, again without exception the, the most powerful over the last forty years. And what we should be doing is enabling the sector and empowering it, you know, rather than belittling it and and taking away its or minimizing its ability to uh, to succeed. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Uh, my guest this hour has been Lewis Gherkin. Uh, he's the president of Gherkin Capital Associates. His website, gherkincapital.com, and his new book is called The Little Book of Venture Capital Investing. And now we've learned an awful lot more about the whole world of venture capital investing. So thanks so much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, though. Thank you very much, Jordan. Appreciate it. And thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 